Hey there, folks, and welcome to episode 71 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. My name's Rob Woods, and this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a nudge of inspiration to help you raise more money and enjoy your job, especially during the pandemic. And today we're looking at giving days. So if you fundraise for a school, college or university, or if you don't, but you want to find out more about this growing trend in digital fundraising, I think you're going to find this episode really interesting. Because today I'm sharing an interview I carried out recently with a brilliant fundraiser named Melanie Bushell, who is Director of Development at the Portsmouth Grammar School. In March 2021, they organised what was at the time the most successful giving day ever achieved by a UK school, raising £280,000 to pay for bursaries for the school. It included match funding from a major donor, and importantly for the culture of this school, it was a huge team effort, with the 653 separate donations coming from former pupils, parents, former and current teachers, and also through current pupils taking part in their own sponsored fundraising activities. Here's the interview with Mel. I hope you enjoy it. Mel Bushell, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very well on a hot day. Thank you ever so much for agreeing to stay indoors on a hot day and do this interview for our podcast, Mel. I really appreciate it. Now, you and I go back a little bit because several years ago, uh, you came on our Major Gifts Mastery programme and I uh, learned uh, a lot from you, even just back then and then, over the last couple of years, we've had a couple of really interesting chats and I always get re-inspired when I hear what you've been up to at Portsmouth. And for you know, I've, I've long wanted to invite you onto the podcast to have one of these conversations. Before we get into the content to do with this particular project that was really successful for your school, to place it in context, uh, what's the name of the organisation you work for and what's your job title? Uh, so I work for the Portsmouth Grammar School, um, which is a fee-paying school. Sometimes people are confused when they hear the word grammar school. Um, and I'm development director and I've been there for eight years. Great. Okay. And today, I know you've been working hard and serve your colleagues for all of all of that time. And, and in another episode, we might go into the, maybe the bigger picture of, of the progress you've all made in terms of development and fundraising at the school. But for today's episode, I really wanted to zero in on this particular event you did. I, I think you called it a giving day. For people who don't work in higher education or schools fundraising, my first question is, what is a giving day? Just help us tune into kind of the reality of this kind of event. And secondly, top line, what were your results? Because it sounded like an amazing success to me. But if you could place that in context, and then after that, we'll unpick how you went about it. Yeah, so Giving Day is it's really about an online uh, fundraising activity where you really concentrate all your efforts into maybe a 24-hour or 36-hour period. Um, and they're, they're pretty common in the U.S., um, in schools and universities, they happen quite a bit in UK, or starting to happen more in UK universities. And there's been, um, in well, in fact, just probably the last six months, there's been quite a few in UK schools. It's kind of a growing number. Um, so it's using uh, email and 
social media and just really trying to harness the the entire school or university community around a particular cause for a particular short period of time. And uh, we did ours in March of this year, 10th and 11th of March for 36 hours. Um, and we raised uh, £280,000, which was significantly more than I was expecting. And it's all for uh, bursaries to, um, so that bright children whose parents wouldn't be able to afford the fees can come to the school. So it was uh, £280,000 and we had 653 donors, of whom 63% were new donors. So over 400 people donating for the first time. So on every measure, it exceeded all our hopes and expectations. And this amount you raised, more than 280000 is really up there as one of the most successful ones I had ever heard of for a UK school, isn't it? Yeah, at the time we did it, um, it was it was the highest um, number, uh, amount that anybody had raised in the UK schools. Now, a couple of other schools have tipped above us now, but um, no, we're still absolutely thrilled because we've got a very different kind of constituency from the other two schools who've raised more than us. So um, for, for a day school in Portsmouth um, with, you know, not many in the way of sort of super rich people around. We really absolutely, we're still absolutely thrilled. But yeah, to, when we realised, well, first of all, we realised we were going to go over a quarter of a million pounds. And then when we realised that um, nobody else had got anywhere close to that at the time, it was very, very exciting. Yeah, so this is a really a, a glorious team effort. In terms of your view of the factors that caused this to go so well, in another episode, we, we might t- talk in depth about the, the bigger culture in the school and the, the acceptance of development as a really great thing and bursaries as a great thing and so on. Um, maybe towards the end of this episode, we might have time to touch on that a, a little, because in my view, lots of the success in the short term were because of all the hard grind over the years. But given that how hard everyone had, had worked to make that a positive in the culture of the school. In terms of the tactics, what might you say about how you went about letting people know about it and the the stories, the content? What would you say? I think um, a key thing for us in terms of the team effort side of it, um, you know, it has, it has to come from the the, leader, the leadership and the fact that the head was very on side for it made a massive difference because I've got a very small team and I genuinely could not see how we were going to manage it in terms of making a whole school uh, activity. So one thing that worked really well was uh, a, a member of the teaching staff who actually is an ex-pupil in the school as well, but she'd only joined last September as well. Um, she got seconded onto the team to kind of organize the pupil side of things and having someone who was actually a teacher as well um, was extremely valuable. So that really helped it kind of become embedded as part of what the school was doing. Um, uh, So yeah, so that made a massive difference. And then you just, once, once we started talking about it, you know, every kind of opportunity, like, you know, inset day, we had a, a, a bit of time we talked about it. And then when we do sort of, we have like weekly staff meetings, so mentioning then that it was coming up and you soon start to work out which members of staff are particularly interested because I really, you know, needed support from across the board, from the marketing team and, you know, teachers who've been there a long time who are still in touch with some of the young alumni. Um, and you just start to, 
yeah, pick up who's really taking an interest. And so I then started asking them if they would be prepared to be one of the sort of faces of the campaign to kind of give us a quote or a little message or a video message or help get, um, because actually because of the timing, because we were doing all the prep time during lockdown, getting video content was really difficult because everybody was in their homes. And I struggled with that for a while, but then, you know, there was a particular teacher who is in charge of the prefects. So I kind of got him on side and he kind of harassed them all to do little videos at home. And then we've got um, someone who taught at the school for 40 odd years and is now in his nineties and still lives locally. And um, all the alumni in their sort of seventies always ask if he's, you know, still around and whether we know how well he is. So we managed to get him to do a video message as well. So it was kind of harnessing everybody that you could think of for every age group you can think of um, and and just seeing what they can bring to the table. Yes. And so one thing about that is if it's going to be an online thing, you just need plenty of content. You need enough content. And we might come on to this in a minute. It needs to have a consistency to what the story is, what is the narrative. But but then it's all one thing to have that strategy. It's another to actually get people other than your team giving their own time to make this happen. And it seems to me, reading between the lines, lots of that happened because of how hard you and your colleagues have worked at relationships over the years so that you, you feel able to have those conversations and, and ask a favour of this teacher or that teacher um, and then for them to respect you and believe in what the whole project is about, to then not just nod, but actually follow through and make a decent film and so on? Yes, exactly. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, like I said, I've been there eight years and we've been actively fundraising. So I needed to do some sort of restructuring and stuff when I first arrived. But um, So we've been actively fundraising for over six years and it's been pretty much about bursaries the whole time. And that's one of the things, um, you know, when I have looked at other schools that have been doing it, you know, consistently fundraising for bursaries for longer. And I've seen the sort of success that they've had. So that's something that I've really um, been able to talk to the governors about and convince them that that's the way to go. And, you know, bursaries are definitely a thing. And um, again, going back to the new head, so she, um, in her sort of first year, she did a lot of of listening to people, lots of talking to people and came up with a new um, sort of strategic, uh, strategic intentions was the, was the phrase that she used. Um, and there were sort of five areas to it, but two of them were, one was to do with bursaries. It was um, making a difference for local young people, you know, being an outstanding local school for outstanding local young people and the other thing was actually about making a difference to the city that we're in because you know Portsmouth isn't the wealthiest place in the world Um, and so the whole bursary thing fits in absolutely perfectly with the strategy of the organization and in terms of the kinds of activities that we then put around the giving day some of the stuff that the pupils were doing was about making a difference for people in their community by doing things for them so i think that made a massive difference as well because it is absolutely a core part of the kind of school we want to be and i think because we've been talking about bursaries for a while one of the other things i've learned through the process is that 
even some people have even applied to work at the school because it's something they really believe in themselves. So because it's been going on for so long, it's, it is building more of a, a culture for that to be a real core part of what the school's about. Hi, it's Rob, and I want to jump in quickly to let you know about our Major Gifts Mastery Programme, which is a combination of masterclasses and one-to-one -one coaching to help fundraising professionals from education and other charities to grow their confidence and their major donor income. To give you a sense of the difference it can make, here's what one fundraiser, Linda, said about how it helped her. Hi, I'm Linda Horowitz and I work for Animals Asia. I've just completed the Major Gifts Mastery Programme. It has been invaluable. I was new to Major Gifts fundraising and I recently just secured my very first £50,000 donation. So call Rob, it's one not to be missed. If you'd like to find out more, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services and then click on Major Gifts Mastery Programme. For now though, let's get back to the interview as I ask Mel for more detail about how she approached the email part of this campaign. In terms of particular tactics, then if you could tell us some things we might not necessarily know if we've not done one of these campaigns, for instance, in terms of uh, the email approach, how did you do that? How frequent were the emails? What was the messaging and so on? Yeah, certainly. So we had a kind of a, a grid, a grid um, uh, and different types of messages or different type messengers I suppose so so there'd be um we wanted a certain number of messages from people who have received bursaries or are receiving bursaries or the parents of people who are receiving bursaries or people who are donating already towards bursaries or people who work at the school and it's really important to them that the school does bursaries so this the whole range of people um and then in terms of how many messages went out so we started um about a month five weeks before the day with a sort of save the date thing so then there were kind of weekly emails leading up um to the day and then uh one email went out sort of 24 hours beforehand and then over the 36 hours of the giving day um we sent eight messages and eight emails in total so four each day um starting on the Wednesday morning with um, a video message from the head embedded into the email. So the, yeah, some had imagery embedded, some had video embedded. Um, and then we on at the same time, we had a big sort of social media push going as well on all the platforms that we use. So um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, um, everything. Um, and again, the same sort of range of messages uh, a consistency of look and feel um and uh yeah just loads of loads of different i think this is something we spent a lot of time thinking about was making sure that there was a message for every type of audience in as much as we could so thinking of people who left the school 50 60 years ago and also thinking about people who left the school last year or people who are still in the school or parents or you know current staff ex-staff um and yeah, I think that was something that worked really well in the end. And I would definitely, if anyone else was thinking of doing a giving day, that was something I would definitely encourage them to do is really think hard about those individual stories and messages and also the sort of key individuals who are key colleagues who can really help you make things happen as well, who've got kind of 
personal relationships that might be closer than yours with certain types of people and you can kind of they can call in those favors and you do yours and and then it, it really was I think that you know the team effort side of it was probably one of the biggest things that that really I felt leading into it in a way that I haven't really with anything else we've ever done in the fundraising sphere in the school um for all sorts of reasons, most of our kind of mass participation fundraising has generally happened in the school summer holidays, which is where we are now, and that's exactly what we're doing. And so, by definition, people aren't aren't seeing it. <laughs> um, but this was absolutely front and centre, two days in the middle of the school term. Um, uh, yeah, so that no one could get away from it. So it, I, I think it's not. I think the benefits of it are are more than what we've already talked about because it has in itself added to the culture. Mm. I, yeah, I totally see how that would be because the more people are involved in making it happen and then seeing actually working in the thrill of that, yeah. then it, you know, this activity, a benefit of this kind of activity can only then spill over to make future things easier as well. One thing I'm picking up on is you've achieved a wonderful variety of kind of messenger to appeal to different types of constituent. Mm -hmm. But then I'm sensing there's a wonderful consistency, A, in look and feel, and I've seen some of these materials, they absolutely feel like there's a, a, they're a package, they're, they're all, they've all got a certain vibe, colourful vibe to them. And another way there's a consistency is in terms of what the narrative is. Mm -hmm. If you were to put it into words roughly what what the main idea was that I would have received from looking at a couple of these emails or a couple of these tweets what's the main story well we had a, a sort of a tagline um for the giving day which was uh, be the difference and that came well it kind of came you know when you have your best ideas is when you're not trying to think of one and um but but I think it it was because it tied in with those two areas of the strategy, the school strategy that I talked about about making a difference to the city that we're in and making a difference for bright young people in the city, and and it, I think it also feels like being the difference can have a life again a life beyond the giving day because it's so much a part of what we're trying to do. So yeah, so that was definitely our, our overarching theme, and you know about. Uh, diversity you know we want a, a diverse pupil body we want a diverse staff body um, we want to reflect the city that we're actually in we don't want to be um, you know a kind of ivory tower in, in, in any way at all and we I think you know Portsmouth Grammar School is on the high street of Portsmouth it's right in the city and we go off to uh, meetings at other schools and they're in these kind of leafy woodlands and <laughs> things like that and we're so that's so not what PGS is and that we're very down to earth and I, I, I think that was a large part of it as well is and even saying to the people who were there in the you know 50s 60s you know it is actually the same school I know it looks very different now because it used to be male only and it's now co-ed and the kind of the facilities are beyond anything that you'd have dreamed of but at, actually at heart it is the same school that it always was um yeah so I think I think that's I think that's what helped it be so successful really because it was just real yeah and and i i sensed a realness in, in the various emails and tweets i've seen and the assets you had for social media i my sense was that they weren't 
overworked by a copywriter. Some, you know, that that vibe you've just told me about what what the heart of our school is really about, and in the context of this city, this city it comes through in those voices. Oh. So it seems to me um, that you've achieved that. And if I, I sense that as an outsider, then I'm sure that the these constituents who already know and many of whom hopefully already love the place would definitely have felt that realness. I also wanted to just check in in terms of making the most of any of those stories. Am I right to think that you were able to pull in favours and use your relationships to get these various families and staff and former teachers and so on to create content, but then you were quite canny in getting permission to reuse them in different formats. For instance, it wasn't just you'll do the email and, and then we'll get someone else for the tweet. I sensed that you were, in the in the jargon, repurposing content in a quite organised, strategic way. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, so you, for we had some kind of longer testimonials, which we would use in the emails. Um, but then we'd pick out a couple of key quotes and, and use that on the, on the slide for social media. So, yeah, we did we did that quite a lot. Um, and one, one other thing which I haven't mentioned yet, which um, goes into the support that we had from colleagues, was um, the deputy head of the junior school came to see me a few weeks beforehand and they had done something in the during the... Well, no, before lockdown. So in the junior school, they'd done, um, before Christmas, they'd done a sort of online TV show for a couple of weeks with, um, you know, elves going around the school giving out chocolates and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so he came to me and he, they'd obviously had an absolute ball doing this um, elf TV thing. And he said, Melanie, would you like me to do a an online radio broadcast for the full 36 hours of the giving day and I was like if you if that's what you'd love to do then yes please um so he and a colleague literally did this radio show for the full 36 hours they didn't go to bed and uh every two hours I apart from during the night I, I went to bed but um every two hours I was interviewed with where we're up to on the fundraising um bursary recipients were interviewed on it the head was on it there were all sorts of like games and competitions and so on and then for the period of time um when we were asleep I'd kind of been in touch with some of our alumni around the world and we don't have very many it was like fewer than five percent of our alumni live overseas but um they they tend to stay in touch with the school quite well. So I got in touch with some of those so that he was he interviewed them during the night about their experience of the school. And, and that was something that, um, one, kind of helped the celebratory atmosphere of the whole event because, you know, people are in their offices with their the music coming through their computers, which we wouldn't normally do, but, you know, for 36 hours it was fine. Um, and they, were, or they did all sorts of hilarious things. And the, obviously the junior school children in particular, the little ones, loved the fact that their teachers were doing a radio programme. Um, but even that had a, an effect on the the giving. Um, it's kind of, as you'd expect, perhaps, um, on a giving day, you, sort of, you track the give, giving pattern over the 36 hours and there'll always be a spike after an email has just gone out. Um, and that did happen on ours, but when it dropped down again after the spike, it never went particularly low. And one of the things that we, in the analysis afterwards, we felt was that it was a combination actually of the radio show that people were listening into and the social media, which was sort of more constant, that was keeping the level of gifts up. And 
it's also, uh, again, which I would never have expected, took the message kind of beyond the immediate school community. So about 10% of our gifts came from people who weren't on our databases, so that they weren't getting the emails. So they can only have been impacted by either seeing the social media or hearing radio thing, or maybe they were grandparents. Um, but yeah, some of those people, we still have, we're still trying to work out exactly who they were. But that, I mean, that was amazing. Mel, one thing that really stands out to me is how hard you and your colleagues worked at the communication content and the communication strategy. And I wonder if there were various benefits that came out as a result of you working so hard at that. Yes. I mean, one thing I hadn't really thought about was the um, the ongoing impacts after the giving day, because, you know, prior to the giving day, we'd done, um, we have like an annual donor report. Every couple of years we do a telephone campaign and we we send um, a letter in advance about the telephone campaign to about 3,000 people but then we only actually get through to about 800 on the phone and then suddenly we had the giving day where we because we decided to basically email everybody that we had an email address for even if their children had left the school quite some time ago but we still had their current contact details um, that was six and a half thousand people were getting those 12 emails that I talked about and I hadn't really thought before about the impact that would have and the extent to which the the message about bursaries is now much more embedded there there was this blitz for a five six week period where all these people were hearing about bursaries and i think it's very evident now for sort of four or five months down the line that you can see that people are understanding it far more people are understanding it than were before and we're seeing you know benefit we're now doing a telephone campaign and we're getting a far higher number of a proportion of people we speak to are making gifts because we've just told the same story in a different way to more people um and so it's not only about what you achieve in those 36 hours although that's all all your focus at the time but actually there are ongoing benefits afterwards in terms of this event i mean there's always lessons to learn is there anything you discovered that you would probably do differently next time yeah and it, it's a kind of it's a finessing of it and it it just hadn't occurred to me beforehand but um so you have you've got your big mailing list for all your emails and um what i would try and find some way with the technology would have to help this um to do in the future is that after someone's make made a gift to slightly amend the messages that they then get because they get their an automated thank you for for the gift which is great um but then they will continue getting the same emails as the people who haven't made a gift uh, in the way it was structured when we did it so um I don't think you want to automatically remove those people from the email list because presumably they're interested in seeing how it goes on and, what, and where you get at the end of it. Uh, but I think certainly, you know, if it's, you know, they've only just made their gift and then half an hour later, the next email comes out and it's like, oh, help us get over the line. Okay, they've had the thank you, but actually it would be really nice to finesse that in some way or even if you explain in the thank you email you will continue now getting the emails don't worry we have you know because we, we were then getting some people emailing us saying oh, i've just had this but i just made a gift i just want to make sure that it came through um so yeah just tidying that up a bit um but other than that uh everything <laughs> well again trying to think of a fresh way of doing it i think will be the challenge for next time yeah absolutely I'd love to talk on and on, but for one episode, I think we'd better bring it to a close. Maybe in the future we could have a, 
another conversation about the bigger picture of how we can make it help our organization have a fundraising friendly culture. But for today, Mel, thank you ever so much for coming and sharing your ideas and examples. Uh, huge congratulations to you and everyone involved in this achievement. I think it's brilliant and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you found Mel's insights and examples were helpful. If you did, I can tell you that we've got lots more helpful sessions coming up soon. So please do remember to subscribe to the podcast today so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in improving your skills and confidence in major donor fundraising, in individual giving, or in corporate fundraising, then I'd really encourage you to check out the information on our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services, and then click on the page for Major Gifts Mastery or any of our other training programs. Before we finish, I'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to everyone who's been spreading the word about this show to colleagues and on social media. I really appreciate your help in getting this content out there helping people, especially this year. And we'd both love to hear what you think about this episode. We're both on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Mel is at Melanie Bowron and I'm at Woods underscore Rob. Finally, thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing more bright spot examples and ideas with you very soon. Mm-hmm.